Going live, going live. Live stream isn't available right now. Oh. Oh. Try again. Picture streaming software. I think I had a little false start there. I thought it was live. And then I said live streaming isn't available. And that was after I rushed up here, desperately trying to make the air conditioning work first. We're 30 degrees outside, 10 a.m. here on the Gold Coast, 30 degrees outside, 28 degrees, 28.4 degrees in the office, heading for 34 outside. So apologies if you're from a colder part of the world and that that sounds... Uh, Let's face it, it sounds miserable <laughs> to be cold right now. I love being warm. I've had a very warm week. We uh, we went on a mega jet ski safari. When was this? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Two days ago. And when I say mega safari, I think we did about 220-something kilometres going, for those of you from this part of the world, all the way up to Tangaluma off uh, Morton Island. Ripped all the way up there. Dolphins, dugongs, turtles, starfish, beautiful stuff. Lovely warm weather. Glassy, glassy conditions. Went with a bunch of friends from around the neighbourhood, uh, came back, and that was just a great day. Now, because of that, I have not been overly productive, which I'm okay with. I don't mind that. Like every now and then, last week was a very busy week because, of course, we're in Sydney. We were doing the NDC things and the uh, Azure user group things uh, with Microsoft. So that was a busy week. We made up for it a little bit this week. Be that as it may, let's jump into it. Now, sponsor this week. It's actually not Collide, but I'm going to come back and talk about Collide because I did see Collide in the news today in a, in a, in a way that I think is going to be cool. We'll see. Sponsor this week is Report URI, Scott Helm's baby <laughs> from many years ago that I've had an interest in for a long time now. Guarding you from rogue JavaScript. Don't get pwned. wonder how he came up with that. Real original, Scott. Don't get pwned. Get real-time alerts and prevent breaches. Hashtag secure your site. Now, I've spoken about Report URI so many times before, whether that's been during the sponsorship period or my involvement with it over many, many years and watching Scott build it up from nothing to what it is today too. Uh, and Scott's done a lot of talks on this. this is, none of this is in the script. <laughs> Scott's done a lot of talks around Report URI as well. Uh, if you've not checked any of those out, there's a lot of recorded talks for uh, the likes of NDC conferences about building a system that handles just such a massive, massive volume of reports. Uh, a lot of really cool usages of, of Cloudflare, some Azure stuff in there as well. Uh, please go and check out Report URI. Uh, go and give it a demo. Give it a go. It's good fun. All right. Where are we? I'm going to uh, make sure I grab my iPad as well. We are all streaming, right? That was a little bit weird because I literally pressed the go live button, which I've done so many times. Face or demo, I that. So many times before without problem. And then on this like rare occasion, it's like, nope, <laughs> can't go live, something's wrong. Uh, it does look like it's working, according to iPad, which is good. Cam McBride, morning, Troy. G'day, Cam. Thanks for joining, mate. Now, as much as I have not been overly busy in front of the PC this week, there has been a lot of stuff happening. Uh, 
Now, I thought actually I'd, I'd touch on this uh, this collide thing first, and, and I am really just learning about this firsthand today. But it's interesting when there is a collision, get it, <laughs> of, of two brands that uh, that I have a I guess a close association with, and, and this collision is that one password has acquired collide. Now I got up and I'm reading this with my blurry eyes this morning, and I'm like. I know those guys. I know those guys. How 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 is this? Uh, now this has come through. Actually, this came through a couple of days ago. How do I only see this this morning? Oh, that's right. I was jet skiing. <laughs> one password. We're thrilled to announce that one password has acquired Collide. Collide is the leading solution in device health and contextual access management, making it easy for businesses to meet the rising security challenges of the modern workforce. Learn more here. Business Wire Link. This will be their PR statement. Uh, which is great. Now, my association with 1Password goes back now, I think, to 2011, which was a very, very long time ago, when I, of my own free volition, chose them as my password manager of choice. Uh, and I loved it, and I stuck with it for many, many years, still stick with it today. And then over the course of time, the relationship, we bonded <laughs> more and more. So 1Password is the only product placement at all on Have I Been Pwned, still is to this day. They set up there, front and center. Uh, one password started using Pwned passwords before anyone else to make sure that you could check your whole keychain of passwords against that corpus of data, which is super cool. They've added integration for checking your email addresses, also against the K-anonymity API. Uh, and of course, I've joined one password board of advisor, advisors, I want to say about three years ago. It was a while ago now. Uh, and as a result, I do have a bit of skin in the game. So I'm very interested to see when 1Password does wonderful things. Now, Collide, of course, has been a, a sponsor uh, for, uh, I want to say, at least two years. They have been, I would say, my most prevalent, can we say dominant sponsor since probably early last year. We're seeing them pretty much every other week uh, throughout probably the probably most of last year and also this year as well. Uh, and it's just only by... Fortuitous calendar circumstances of this report, you're right this week and not Clyde. So I, I'm really interested in this. And I think um, I think one of the things that I find particularly interesting is uh, the match with one password. Now I'm not talking about anything that I know that nobody else knows, and I'm just purely speculating as a as an observer. But isn't it interesting the way one password as we move to a passwordless future, which of course just means we've got more passwords than ever, but we've also just got passkeys and things, but does seem to be expanding that breadth. You know, things like Collide, which was so much around device security, uh, now coming into that mix, I would, uh, I'd love to know what that signals in terms of direction. Collide was founded on the idea of honest security philosophy that when combined with the principles of zero trust transforms transforms end users, sorry, I thought it was end users, my fault, transforms end users into the most effective security solution I too will ever had, said Jason Miller, CEO and founder. We're combining forces with 1Password for one reason. We both believe every company needs user-focused device security with 1Password. We now have the resources to make that belief a reality. And of course, 1Password has had uh, multiple rounds of funding of significant volumes as well. So I imagine they did have some cash available. Nothing in here about how much they've paid, as far as I can see. Probably doesn't matter, but let's face it, we are interested. <laughs> Everyone's kind of interested. It's like, how many, uh, I don't even know how many numbers. 
would be in an acquisition like that. Uh, don't know what this will, will mean for Collide sponsorship uh, or one passwords, but maybe it all just comes together. I'm going to need to talk to some people there. <laughs> I think we're, we're okay with Collide sponsorship for the foreseeable future, but we'll, uh, we'll have a discussion at some time, folks. Now, moving on to other things. That's still running. That's good. Do I talk about that now? I'll talk about that later. Still doing Avobane Pwn database migration. I'm going to talk about that towards the end when I talk about the UX redesign as well. Uh, James is here. G'day, James. Detlef, hello. Cam has said, interesting Octospun collide off. Um, to the best of my knowledge, collide wasn't part of Octa, was it? Wasn't collide independent? Cam, if I got that wrong, correct me. Now, of course, all the sponsorship that uh, the Clyde has been doing has been very much about device trust uh, for Okta. But as far as I know, there's still been an independent entity. Tell me if I'm wrong. I could have missed that while I was jet skiing. <laughs> Who knows? Right, now, the really cool thing this week, and I have been munching all the popcorn watching this, is the lockpit situation. And I almost feel like it... It needs no introduction what has happened this week, but I'm going to go back through some of my uh, some of the tweets I've shared because I've seen some fantastic stuff out there. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying I have noticed law enforcement agencies, the FBI in particular, living their best life in terms of <laughs> in terms of rubbing salt in the wound of cyber criminals. And I'll give you two examples that come to mind, and then we'll talk about Lockbit. Uh, so one of the examples that came to mind was after they took down raid forums uh, and they eventually arrested Pom Pom Purin. Um, oh, what's his name now? I've put it in so many talks. You know the guy. It'll come to me. Young guy, because it's always a young guy. Connor, Fitz, Connor Fitzpatrick. Uh, after they arrested him, they took down the site and they got the normal sort of takedown notice and it's got the FBI logo there and the League of Nations, etc. behind this. And they've got the little Pom Pom Purin logo, that little Hello Kitty weird animal. And someone in the graphic design department has put tiny, tiny little handcuffs on Pom Pom Purin. That's just lovely work. I mean, we, we appreciate the detail. I think we also just appreciate seeing law enforcement agents with a sense of humour. And I'll just add to this, in my experience, having now spent a lot of time with these folks in different parts of the world, they're all fantastic. They're really, really nice folks. But I think we expect them to have, a, I guess, a greater... I think it's okay to say a greater degree of professionalism because it's not that this is non-professional, but you expect them to be like straight-laced suited people. Uh, and they're not. They're having a good time with this. The other one was after Operation Cookie Monster where they took down Genesis Market last year. Again, a, a League of Nations. I know the Dutch were very involved in that. I spent a bunch of time with the, the, the Dutch folks in Rotterdam as well and saw some great stuff in terms of what they've done. After they took down Genesis Market, and again, there's a takedown screen on the Genesis Market website, and they've got an FBI agent in a hoodie with you know, FBI written across the back of his, his jacket uh, looking at the computer screen with a hoodie in there. And they, they called the whole thing Operation Cookie Monster because Genesis Market was selling cookie material and other browse material uh, such as fingerprints that were used in order to persist authenticated state. And they called it Operation Cookie Monster. And on the desk next to the FBI agent is like a half-munched cookie. Little touches like that. We notice these things. <laughs> we appreciate this in the industry. So with Lockbit, <laughs> if you've ever looked at any of the ransomware websites, and Lockbit was probably one of the more polished ones, but we've seen it with the Alpha Vs and all the rest of them as well. These 
websites have a list of all their victims. You know, it's says Acme Core here and it's Joe's Plumbing there and whatever else it may be. List of all the victims, who they are, and there's often a little countdown timer. You know, this is the point at which your data goes live. We're going to start releasing data then. And <laughs> the NCA has replicated this and they've put all of these other things in place where it would have previously been the websites that are, that are ransomed. Uh, and, you know, these include things like uh, press release, published, because this is what happened. Like Lockbit would go, you know, countdown timer, one day, 15 hours and 37 minutes, and then eventually the song wouldn't pay the ransom and it would be published. So published the press release. Another one, uh, LB backend leaks, they've published an entire manifest of, of infrastructure details about their backend here. Um, Lockbit Sup, so Lockbit Sup was the apparently one of the super admins, I guess, uh, of Lockbit. Uh, that was on a countdown timer, the $10 million question, I believe there was a was it a $10 million reward? A big reward. Been published. US indictments, recovery tools, lockbit decryption keys, public arrest in Poland, activity in Ukraine. And it goes on and on and on. And like every single one of these is just like bam, 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 uh, driving the knife into lockbit, which is fun to see. Now, looking at some of the other things that have been shared here. So obviously they've they've completely hosed uh, what looks like all the infrastructure. It looks like a whole bunch of the onion addresses as well have gone. Uh, VX Underground that's been posting a lot of interesting stuff here. Some funny, funny memes as well. Uh, go and check out VX Underground, or one word, on the Twitter. They posted something here. When a Lockbit affiliate tries to log into the Lockbit panel, this is what they see. <laughs> it says, hello, and then the person's name, they've blanked out. Law enforcement has taken control of Lockbit's platform and obtained all the information held there. This information relates to the Lockbit group and you, their affiliate. Because remember, these ransomware crews often run as affiliates. So you might have people that are not particularly overly technical. They're not necessarily writing the malware that infects the machines, but they are buying their way into the ecosystem. And just as there's like Tupperware affiliates, they're ransomware affiliates. We have source code, details of the victims you have attacked, the amount of money extorted, the data stolen, chats, and much, much more. You can thank Lockbit Sup and their flawed infrastructure for this situation. That sounds like such a, such a hacker thing to say. Like it's smack talk. And I, I think it's great <laughs> coming back from the NCA. Dot, dot, dot. We may be in touch with you very soon. If you'd like to contact us directly, please get in touch. There's an email address there that VX Underground blanked out so you didn't get randos doing this. In the meantime, we would encourage you to visit the Lockbit website. Have a nice day. Nice touch. Regards, the NCA of the UK, the FBI, Europol, and the Operation Kronos, which is the name of the operation, I'll take them all down, Law Enforcement Task Force. Oh, that's great. I love this. So much fun reading this. Hmm. Let's go on. There's a few more examples here. Dark Web Informer shared a lot of good stuff too, or one word, Dark Web Informer on Twitter. The newest Lockbit leaks from law enforcement were leaked early this morning. Now, this was this was about a day ago. More leaks to come tomorrow. So this included uh, taking down affiliate infrastructure. Uh, there's a big piece here on Lockbit's hackers exposed. A large amount of data has been exfiltrated from Lockbit's platform before it was all corrupted. With this data, the NCA and partners will be coordinating further inquiries to identify the hackers who pay to be a Lockbit affiliate. Some details published here for the first time. Anyway, it goes on and on and on. There's heaps of information there. 
It's another screen grab here that has a whole bunch of uh, what appears to be usernames uh, and create dates and IDs. So no PII, but you would imagine that this would be enough for someone to recognize themselves in the data. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff here around what their infrastructure actually looked like and the way their mechanisms worked. Now, look, this obviously doesn't end ransomware, but you'd have to think that anyone engaged in that game is now just a little bit more conscious that it may not work out well for them. Anyway, that's Raptor. I'm sure we'll see more stuff from that. Kevin Clover says, AT&T Verizon went SOS this morning in the US. Some looking at solar flare activity. Well, what does that mean, went SOS? Did they do the whole push thing to devices? They did a test of that when we were in Oslo last month. It was super weird because we we're walking around in a busy part of Oslo and suddenly like everyone around us, including us with our Aussie phones, the the phones start going off SOS, and it's like this is a test of the system. And then there are speakers uh, in the area we're in as well that were alerting stuff. It's crazy when it all goes off. Uh, James says, My parents got hit by ATT outage. Now, again, I'm catching up because jet ski. Uh, <laughs> I, I did see something this morning where apparently ATT uh, were having some cyber related activity. So if someone can fill in the blanks, please drop that. Uh, Ragvendra Singh says, good morning, Troy. What is Australian GovAdvice about how enterprise handle ransom situations? Hmm. So our, we got a combination of our Australian Cybersecurity Centre, our Australian Signals Directorate, published a whole bunch of useful information about InfoSec in general. I, I'm not sure if you're sort of saying, is that question around, you know, do you pay the ransom or not? There's, we have not outlawed that. Uh, in Australia. There's a, a lot of interesting discussion around that. There was a very good, uh, just in case you're in Australia and you can find online, there was a very good Q&A, the ABC show Q&A that had Alistair McGibbon, the founder of the Australian Cybersecurity Centre, now the Chief Strategic Officer for CyberCX, probably a preeminent, preeminent, predominant, whatever, big <laughs> uh, InfoSec firm here. Uh, and he's got a very, very interesting background because he's ex-Australian Federal Police as well. Uh, and he's used to dealing with governments and used to dealing with these situations. And he, he's quite adamant that it, it's it's not something that should be outlawed, that you, you know you should never be able to pay it. But go and watch the Q&A because he's got some really interesting insights there. Now, speaking about everyone getting owned, I'm actually writing this into a blog post and I had hoped to have it done by today, but I ran out of time because of jet skiing. <laughs> I shared this online the other day. I got an SMS about a parcel. <laughs> and I'm just going to read the SMS. And you can make up your own mind. I shared this on Twitter and I shared a poll, but I'll just see what you think as I read this. So SMS comes from an account that says FedEx, capital F, no, capital E, dash EXP. And it says, Troy Hunt, your FedEx shipment Number 216.21, that number will come up again in a moment, requires urgent duty and taxes, capital D, capital T, payment of 216.21. Doesn't say currency, doesn't even have a dollar sign. Before delivery can be arranged, please pay today with below link. And then there is a link to a website where the domain is bpoint.com.au. If any query, if any query, please contact 
1-800 Australian number and then there is an at fedex.com what looks like fedex.com it could be a hieroglyphic character in there I don't know thank you now I got this and went yeah nah like this this doesn't feel good and I put out a poll on Twitter and I had more than 4,000 people reply and there are two options in terms of legitimacy is this Option one was totally legit, pay it. Option two was dodgy AF, don't touch it. 87% of people <laughs> said dodgy AF. Now, that is my initial gut feeling as well. And there are multiple reasons for this. The sense of urgency that's in here, why you would have duty singular, taxes plural, capitalizing the D, capitalizing the T. These are not proper nouns or anything like why are you capitalizing that? The shipment number is exactly the same as the price. It's obviously not the right shipment number. The price doesn't have an AUD. It doesn't have a dollar sign. And then even the English is grammatically incorrect. If any query, please contact. Like this reeks, reeks of fish. However, <laughs> and this is why the blog post has taken me so long, because I'm, I'm literally trying to piece all this together and establish what's legitimate and what's not. Now, I live and breathe this day in and day out, and it's hard for me to work this out. The however bit is, I am expecting a package. Now, part of the problem with this is that because it is 2024, I'm always expecting a package, particularly post-COVID. We order so much shit online because this is just how we live. Charlotte orders so many clothes online. And then she sends half of them back, but she's like, that's just what we do now. She's, you know, I tried, didn't fit, and send it back, didn't like it, whatever. Uh, all just about, I buy anything from like batteries to IoT gear to computer stuff to random crap for the kids. It's all online, it's all packages. I would say on average, we get more than one package a day. So we're always expecting a package. However, <laughs> I was expecting a very specific package from FedEx. And I knew it was coming from FedEx because I had an email from FedEx only a couple of days earlier and I'm expecting new Prusa printer. Order to Mark IV, this is part of what we're going to be using in order to prepare for the talk that Al and I do in Oslo at NDC in June as well. Really super looking forward to this, very excited about it. It is coming from Prague. It will likely attract an import duty because I'm pretty sure when I ordered the Mark III several years ago now, it also attracted an import duty. So I'm expecting a package. I'm expecting to have an import duty. I know it's coming from FedEx, but this still looks fishy AF. And then where it gets even weirder is if you look at the URL, and the URL's got a bunch of cruise string stuff in there, part of the URL has the tracking number from the email I got from FedEx a couple of days earlier notifying me of the Prusa delivery, which I have a high degree of confidence in because it, it was, you know, like I had just ordered the, the printer, the shipping and everything had just gone through. So now I'm sort of going, how do I, beyond a reasonable doubt, establish the accuracy of this before paying money? Because if it is legit and I don't pay money, I don't get my printer. And I've already paid like a thousand bucks for the printer, but I've got to pay the duty, which again, I knew I had to. Like this, this, is, this is a known cost. Now to make it even worse, where's my phone? I get that. And it's, as we have established, dodgy AF. Uh, <laughs> not long after that, the following day, in fact, the following morning, 
from that same account, I have another message that now looks much more professional. FedEx shipment, and then it's got the right tracking number, requires your payment of duty and taxes, lowercase d, lowercase t. Still only singular duty. Before delivery can be arranged, use link to pay now. Capitalized. Dodgy. Or email below. And then, <laughs> but then they've got a URL that's not a URL. There is no scheme. There is no domain. It's just like bill of code equals blah and ampersand semicolon. It's I think what I'm going to do... Ah, there's one more thing first. I've got this in the blog post. So, what is bpoint.com.au? Because a bunch of people are like, why aren't they linking you to a FedEx address? Which would be, number one, that would be the obvious thing. Number two, how would I know it's the FedEx address? Anyway, humans are bad at URLs. I've written a blog post about how we can't trust anything, even by reading it carefully. Now, I'm like, YOLO, let's just go to the link and see what happens. The link to bpay, I'm going to tell you what's in this link. You're tempted just to share this and just see how wild shit gets. Uh, <laughs> I won't do that just yet. Whereas I'll just read the unobfuscated one. Uh, oh, actually, it should be here in my history. If I go to BPay, was it BPay? Control H. <laughs> BPay. No, B point. See, I got no idea. What am I talking about? Because it's not bloody FedEx, is it? Let's go back to the first one there, and we'll go to that link. Bam. All right, so here's the URL. bpoint.com.au forward slash pay forward slash FedEx Express Customs. Then the query string. Question mark. Bill of code equals in the bill of code, which I assume relates to FedEx. And then there's another query string parameter, which says ref1, and it's got what looks to be my tracking code there. And then it's got another query string parameter called ref2, and it says Troy, percentage 20, which of course is the escape character for space in URL, hunt. And then it's got another query string parameter called amount. And I'm like, could I just change the name and the amount? And would that be reflected on the screen? Because the screen does reflect what's in the URL. And sure enough, you can just change the URL and you get a different name and a different amount. Now, I want my printer. <laughs> I really, really want my printer. So I'm not going to do this. However, I did change it to one cent and wonder what would happen if I actually put my credit card details in now. Because <sighs> this felt very reflected XSS. And now it doesn't accept script tags. That was the obvious thing to try. I didn't probe it any further. I believe B-Point is actually a service from the Commonwealth Bank, our largest bank <laughs> in Australia. I know people there. In fact, I probably should contact someone there because this looks like reflection of untrusted user data with no validation. You know, like why can't you have some unique identifier which is tamper-proof, which then pulls this data from the B-Point system? Like it's, it's crazy that you can just modify this in the URL. This looks so freaking fishy. I did actually try just dropping in one of the Stripe test card numbers uh, and clicking submit just to see what happened. It rejected that uh, because often if you did go to a, an actual phishing site, they, they often don't have validation around that sort of stuff. They're just like, yeah, thank you, fine. You, <laughs> you know, your payment has been made. So 
Now, Wayne here says, just ignore the text, use the app website. Now, that would be a sensible thing to do, wouldn't it, Wayne? Because this is what we always tell people. Don't trust communications from unverified senders, you know, some random person sending an SMS or even an email. Put that aside, go to the website, find the website yourself. I would type fedex.com, go there, uh, enter the tracking number that you've got from the trusted email, and then you will see the duty and taxes listed there and you will pay them on the website, except they're not listed there. <laughs> so I can go in and I can see my shipment. I think it's in Singapore at the moment. There is nowhere there where I can pay duty and taxes. I need to look around at that more. I need to find a contact number for FedEx and call them up and ask them if this is legit. And then I'm gonna write the blog post and burn them as far to the ground as possible because this is freaking ridiculous. You know, we're in this era where people are like, oh, gee, we've got to worry about the AI. You know, the AI is gonna create such good phishing messages that you won't be able to tell legit ones from the fishers. And then FedEx is like, here, hold my beer. Let me show you how fishy I can be. Because <laughs> I, I actually think this is legit. I think that the balance of evidence is it is legit, but it's setting off every single possible phishing signal I can think of. Uh, the only thing we're missing here is them telling us they're in Nigeria or something like that, but everything else is just fishy AF. Wayne says, in the UK, we pay import duty on collection. Does that happen in Oz? I ne to, to be honest, it's rare that I order something of this much value from overseas and have to do this. I did have to do it on the last printer. I need to go back and find what process happened then. But this was also 2021 when I bought the last one and the world was a bit different in 2021. So I'm not sure that we can use that as a baseline. I guess the other way of looking at it is the, the amount is $216. It's credit card. If it ends up being dodgy, you cancel the credit card, lodge a complaint with the bank, you get the money back, but then I have to go and get a new card and I have to go and update all my direct debits. And <sighs> It's messy. Anyway, I'm going to finish that blog post hopefully today. Leave the jet ski alone today and actually do some work. <laughs> so it is just fascinating. And um, the number of times we talk about... People getting fish. Apparently in Australia, $3 billion, Aussie dollars a year. Now that's about $2 billion US if you're over that part of the world. We have 27 million people. You have a lot more in the US and in Europe and other places. So you would imagine that the total cost of fishing globally is somewhere in the $100 billion mark plus. And massive multinationals like this just do stupid shit. That's just, as I always say, it's a good time to be in the industry. <laughs> Bonnie Lee, a little earlier, said a number of hospitals and clinics had systems crash as well. I did not hear about other businesses or do not know if they are related. Now, this is related to the AT&T discussion earlier. Wayne says, my bank allows virtual numbers or although debit card. It would be nice if credit card uh, companies did the same, which would then be a disposable thing that I think you'd use for one time and then that would be it. Um, I will get to the bottom of this and I will publish the blog post and then next week we'll talk more about what actually happened. All right, let's talk about how I've been paying. Now, I didn't put it in the notes, but let me talk about this database migration. I'm going to check my virtual machine over here, make sure it's still running. Uh, when have I been paying launched? It was all in table storage, Azure table storage, key value, peer lookup, very fast, very cheap, not full featured. 
And what I mean by that is you just can't do ad hoc queries. Uh, every domain has its own petition. Every alias then has its own row in the petition. So when you look up an email address and it's, you know, john at gmail.com, there is a gmail.com petition. That's the key. And there is a john row. That's the key there. And then in there is a list of all the websites John's been pwned in. And that was fine for many years. And then the system got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I became increasingly worried about things like backup. <laughs> you, know, you know how you meant to back stuff up? There's no backup. There is no native backup strategy for table storage. There used to be a service, I think it was from Redgate many, many, many years ago, which as best I could understand, it was like a poor man's AZ copy, which would just automate the process of on a, some regular cadence, backing the data up from one location, putting in another. And that disappeared ages ago. So my backup strategy has been every now and then when I remember, I'll run AZ copy. It runs for about six days because there's about five point. How many did we say it was? I've got an actual number here. No, it's over here. Uh, there are about 5.5, rounds to 5.6 billion email addresses in Have I Been Pwned. Now, the headline figure on Have I Been Pwned, which is just about to touch 13 billion, is high because on average, each email address has been pwned twice. So, and it, it is pretty much a two to one ratio. That says rounds to 13 billion. This one over here is, you know, 5.557 billion. Anyway, it's a lot of billions. So I'd run this AZ copy and that would take like six days to run. And then I'd seven zip it and that would take several days to run because like a 600 gigabyte file. And then I'd download it and then I'd store it offline here as a, uh, an offline geographically redundant backup and then it replicates to other places as well, manually. No point in time restore, no ad hoc querying, no geo-replication, none of the things that an enterprise system, and I guess by the definition of being large and important and used by many organizations, have a been pwned now is, we just didn't have that strategy. So what we've ended up doing is making a call, I want to say almost a year ago, certainly six months ago, we being Stefan and I, that we're going to roll to Microsoft SQL Azure serverless. We believe that we can make it fast, even with a very, very large number of records. The trick has been actually getting five and a half billion records from table storage to SQL. It has been non-trivial. And we started out going, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just write code which just reads through each petition, each row, reads it out, inserts it into SQL Server, and then we'll do some transformations to get into the right structure and normalization and everything else, and we'll be fine. That turned out to be a nightmare. Uh, too many times having trouble reading from here, writing to their different data. Bottom line is, we end up going, it's actually easier just to use uh, AZ copy to dump it all because that is a robust, reliable mechanism. That took, <laughs> as I said, like six days. We then had to go through and filter out some crap. Now, some crap, I think, amounted to 1.7% of the 5.5 billion records which were email addresses that were not valid. Now, when I started Have I Been Pwned, I didn't think anyone would take it seriously. I was pretty liberal in my definition of what an email address was. We ended up with things like domains in an email address with invalid TLDs. We ended up with aliases longer than 64 characters. We ended up with aliases with invalid characters in them. So this was the opportunity to strip some stuff out 
And that's what we've been doing. So we've been running this script. I think that also took about six days to read through the five and a half billion lines and then put all of the good stuff here and the bad stuff there. So now we've got one good list, which is 1.7% smaller than the original five and a half billion. Now the next phase, and this is what's happening now, is we're using SQL BCP, which is just a command line bulk copy that can read a CSV file and insert it into SQL Server. We are right at this moment, 4.98 billion records through. Yesterday, we got all the way to about 4.3 billion records, and that didn't take too long. That took, I don't know, eight hours or something. And then we got an error about a field length exceeding the size in SQL Server and the whole thing crashed. And really, I'm not quite sure what it was that exceeded the field length. So we just like, ah, oh, stop it. We'll just double all the field lengths. We'll import it again. And then we'll start a whole process of then adding indexes. We're going to scale the database all the way up first. Adding indexes, we have to go through. We have to find what violated that length. We then have to start transforming it because all the domains sit in a normalized table. So we have to insert any domains that don't exist already. Then we have to put all the breached accounts with the foreign key back to the domain table and a bunch of other things and then recreate indexes and all the rest of it. And I think that I had actually hoped we'd be done by today, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be done by Friday next week. And then we'll have some gradual sort of rollover process where we probably run both the existing table storage construct and the SQL Server construct next to each other. We start putting breaches into each and then gradually start rolling traffic over just to see how it performs. Because if there's one thing I've learned about serverless cloud is you pay for what you use. So if we suddenly need to use a whole lot of SQL Server resources that we hadn't expected, that is going to sting. Ah, James, this giant CSV file, <laughs> teasing. But mate, that was the easiest way because AZ Copy can either dump JSON or CSV. The JSON was a much larger file and was going to take longer to parse. The CSV was actually quite easy. Uh, but not stupid if it works. Neil says, do you have these records locally also? How much disk space is needed? Well, I can tell you how big the file is that we dumped from AZ Copy, and that gives you a little bit of a, a sense of size. So... Let me see. The the full dump was uh, 395 gigabyte CSV file. Now, interesting, the last time we dumped this as a JSON, it was quite a bit larger because there's more more characters in the JSON output. But uh, yeah, 395 gigabyte. Now, importing that into SQL Azure, if I look at my other screen here, with all my graphs, We've gone from a database that was about 83 gigabytes. So the SQL Azure instance that we already had, because there's a bunch of stuff that's already in an RDBMS, was about uh, was about 89 gigabytes, 82 gigabytes rather. As of now, and we have not finished the process yet, it's 553 gigabytes. So we have massively increased the amount of space used. Uh, that may eventually come down a bit because now we need to transform some of the data uh, we'll, we'll normalize all the domains so there will just be foreign key references as opposed to having, you know, probably 500 million gmail.com entries. So we may be able to get those numbers down a bit, but I, th I think we're going to end up going from like an 80 gigabyte database to something that's probably approaching uh, a terabyte by the time indexes and things are added as well. So it's going to be large. 
Uh, Cam, did you look, uh, did you try Azure Data Factory? Uh, not off the top of my head. That would be a really good question for Stefan if he was around, but he's in Iceland being swallowed by a volcano at the moment. James, I use CSV too often and people give me crap. <laughs> at least now I know I'm in good company. Yeah, like it's it's not stupid if it works. CSV is a, it, it's an efficient text-based, human-readable, easily parsable, broadly supported format. Uh, it's... I, I don't have bad things to say about CSV. Now, the, the point of this section, and then I've got to wrap up and go and do tech support. It's another, another story. I have parents. Uh, we want to do a UX redesign on Have I Been Pwned, probably in the first half of this year. And I've mentioned on previous videos wanting to do some, some branding work, redo the logo, modernize things. We're, we're more than a decade old for this system. And just as we're upgrading the, the data tier, I really want to upgrade the, the UX. And I particularly want to start adding a lot more features uh, and giving people more useful information. We really need a fairly decent UX overhaul. Uh, now, the, the HTML and the CSS has, has stood the test of time. It's done well there are more modern paradigms available now. Uh, certainly visually, I want to make it a lot more modern. And then I want to give people more graphs and charts and interactions and things like this, which is going to be quite a bit of work. And if I'm honest, when, when I previously reached out and I was like, hey, are there any gun graphic designers out there? I really didn't have a lot of positive experiences. I had some nice people, but no one was quite able to do anything that we particularly liked. We even spoke to an agency here in Australia that was a complete cluster. Anyway, <laughs> I think when Charlotte was on this live stream with me once, she explained that and she was like, I've never seen Troy so fast to want to get off the Zoom call <laughs> with someone. I was literally just going to go, oh, the internet dropped out. Oh, that's a shame. Um, and I keep getting back to the point where it's like, and I, I can't keep doing this because you can't be a, like a sole founder and keep taking this attitude. It's like, I might as well just do it myself. So I'm kind of at the point where I, I want to do redesign stuff. I want to do some nice logos, nice branding, new website, new interfaces. I really want to do really cool stuff with dashboards for like domain searches and even just the public email address search. I think we can do so much cool stuff. I would love to get people who are interested and passionate about this stuff that, that are on the same wavelength and who can build things that I look at and go, this is epic. And whether they do it as part of, you know, maybe we just open source the whole thing and we take PRs, or maybe we just hire someone and pay them to do it. Um, I'm open to all ideas, but if you're out there and you are that person and you can get on my wavelength, please reach out because we really, really want to get this moving. And processing data breaches and doing data tier rollover stuff and doing all the other stuff with whether it's customers or the law enforcement or the governments or things like that, and then trying to do UX redesign as well is very burdensome and that will not leave me much time to go out my jet ski. So if you're that person, please get in touch. And then I'll just think about whether I communicate that more broadly because I did get the full gamut of replies, everything from people that know the project and love it and we have a go at graphic design through to just a lot of spam. So... I don't know. I don't know. I'll work it out. Marek says, Grafana dashboards can be a real time trap. I do like mine to be uh, user and aesthetically pleasing. Now, 
it's just out of frame, but there is still a, I think it's an 84 inch TV sitting there against my wall, which has been there for, I want to say about the last six months because we've got a projector downstairs with the theory being that it's going to be mounted on a wall somewhere and it's going to have Grafana dashboards. And I'm with you, Marek, because the time suck is that's still sitting on the floor because we haven't got around to actually doing the dashboards properly. Anyway, on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. I've got to go into tech support for mum and dad <laughs> for a few things. Uh, I'll come back to you next week, hopefully with the migrated database for Have I Been Pwned, uh, and I'm sure many other interesting tales from, uh, from the cybersecurity space. Cheers, folks. Have an awesome weekend.